Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Big E here. This is law for Virginia law enforcement officers. We're talking about law. What do you need to know in Virginia as a law enforcement officer, state, local, sheriff, police department, to better serve and strengthen your communities? What do you need to know out there working the road? And uh, we got to, a chance to get out on the road and teach some people in the last few weeks. Uh, it's really been great to meet a lot of people, meet a lot of new people, meet a lot of current listeners, and share some information, get information out to you. In the last couple of episodes, we've talked about new laws. And this episode, uh, which by the way is episode 48, we are getting close to 50 episodes. And uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about a bunch of the other new laws that were passed by the General Assembly. Um, some of them... The governor suggested some changes to and they came back and they had to make a little bit of tweaks and so on. But these are all new laws that are going to go go into effect on July 1. Uh, the last episode, we talked about the marijuana bill, uh, which goes into effect. Some of it goes into effect July 1, some next year, some in future years. And uh, and then in the previous episode, we also talked about the new bills about FOIA and about um, about larceny and habitual offender and so on. Today, the bills that we're going to talk about uh, are going to be uh, a, a slight change, but a pretty important change to traffic summonses. Uh, we're going to talk about a really, probably the most significant change to how we prosecute robbery in the history of Virginia. This is a huge change to how we prosecute robbery in Virginia. From there, we're going to talk to talk about a change in juvenile driver's licenses and the rules about uh, carrying a phone or a communications device, uh, protective orders for elderly and uh, people who are incapacitated, people who are who are in need of services. We're going to talk a little bit about the facial recognition technology bill and what that means, uh, and a new statute on threats of death, death or serious bodily injury, and then lastly, a change to some traffic rules involving bicycles. By the way, a few listeners have asked me about the new bill that passed in Maryland uh, that actually where the legislature overrode the governor's veto of a bill involving police use of force. Um, And, you know, I don't know a lot about Maryland law. I don't practice in Maryland, so I don't like to talk about other states' laws too much. But it is a really interesting bill, um, and I read it. In a lot of ways, it looks like the uh, original efforts by the General Assembly in the House to regulate police, both by, it, you know, people say it eliminates qualified immunity. It actually doesn't really eliminate qualified immunity. Um, what it does do is create instead a whole new way of uh, looking at use of force by police and whole new punishments, both civil and criminal, for uh, police in Maryland. So it, it, qualified immunity, because it creates this new system, qualified immunity is a defense in federal cases in Maryland. They're just creating a new way to sue police officers uh, where you couldn't rely upon those traditional defenses of, you know, about things being clearly established and so on. So uh, it creates this new way of suing police officers, this new way of prosecuting police officers that is very similar to what the Virginia House had wanted to do uh, and that was killed by the Virginia Senate. A couple of times, both in the special session and the recent session. So <clears throat> it's, um, you know, it remains to be seen what happens in Maryland once this goes into effect. I think it's going to be a really, it's going to be a huge change for them in Maryland. And we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and kind of keep you updated on that. Okay, so uh, what does the General Assembly do effective July 1 with respect to uh, Virginia law? Um, the first change is a really small change, but it's actually a pretty important change. 
and that is to the rules regarding summonses in traffic cases. So as you know, right, in if you give somebody a summons in a traffic case, they have to sign the summons, right? That's the existing law right now. And under this statute, um, if the person refuses to give that promise, then refuses to sign that summons, right? Refu therefore, ideally, you know, if they're, if they're not signing the summons and they're, they're basically refusing to give their written promise to appear, then the law as of today requires you. It says you shall take that person immediately to a magistrate or a judge. So you're required legally, if they don't sign the summons, you're legally required to take them into custody. Uh, however, uh, the General Assembly in, uh, in, in, in Senate Bill 1329, which is Monty Mason's bill, eliminates that requirement and now states that if a person refuses to give a written promise to appear for a traffic violation or 46-2, then the arresting officer shall simply give the person the notice of the time and place of the hearing, note their refusal to give their written promise to appear on the summons, and then release them from custody. And then if the person fails to appear... Uh, they can still be found guilty of failure to appear, right? You can still um, proceed that way. You can still issue them a summons and force them to appear in court and so on. But that lack of a signature doesn't become fatal to proceeding against them, right? Or to try them in their absence, for example. So, um, you know, again, right now under existing law, you tell, ma'am, you have to sign the summons. Sir, you have to sign the summons. I'm not signing anything. I'm not signing anything. Okay, then I have to arrest you. Get out of the car, right? And it's sort of a, it's a miserable situation, right? You've pulled this person over for speeding or running a red light or whatever, and they're just turning what should be a routine summons into, uh, you know, an arrest and, an, and, and, a, and, a, and a use of force encounter. That's not necessary, right? And so that's the goal here. You just simply say, okay, you're not signing. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to write here, refuse to sign. And, you know, I'm not taking that. I'm not taking it. Okay, well, you just, you know, put it on their windshield or stick it in their car or whatever. You've given them a notice. You write here, refuse to sign. That's when your court date is. If you don't show up, that's on you. And the court can still proceed against that person. Notice that this is only for 46-2 offenses. This is only for traffic offenses. If I'm giving somebody a summons for open container and they refuse to sign the summons for open container, still going to be a custodial arrest. Uh, but here we avoid a situation where you're at 2 o'clock in the morning on the side of the road having to drag somebody out of their car because they refuse to sign the summons, right? Uh, so I think in the end you'll find this to be a beneficial change. I hope you do uh, find it to be a beneficial change to the law. And it does go into effect on July 1. So it's not the law right now, but it will be the law as of July 1 with regards to 46-2 offenses, traffic offenses only. Uh, like I said, the General Assembly in this session made the most significant change to the law of robbery in Virginia in the history of the Commonwealth. Robbery is a common law offense. Uh, like so many offenses in Virginia, it is an offense that uh, comes from the English common law, the law under King James of England uh, when the Commonwealth was founded, which was long before the founding of the United States. And, uh, you know, much of our law, larceny, burglary, common law burglary, homicide, assault and battery, all of those law, all those prohibitions, all those criminal acts come from common law. If you look them up in the Virginia Code, you won't find them. They won't be in the Virginia Code. Um, there's no definition of them. There's a punishment listed for them, uh, but there's no definition of what those crimes are. One of the very first code sections enacted in Virginia is a code section that states that the law of King James of England, as existing at the time of the founding of the Commonwealth, is still in effect except as otherwise provided in the code. So when the Commonwealth uh, was founded and the House of Burgesses coming up with different laws and so on, uh, they're writing statutes 
but they're they're assuming that the common law is still in effect, which is why you can sue somebody for negligence, even though there's no code section that regulates negligence. You can sue somebody for assault and battery or for unlawful arrest, even though there's no code section for uh, false arrest or for uh, for assault and battery, uh, because these are all common law actions. And robbery is one of those offenses that uh, that was for a long time a uh, a common law crime. We had a punishment written into the code for it, and that's in 18.258. And what that code section said, and this is the laws of today, any person who commits robbery by partial strangulation, suffocation, striking, beating, or other violence to the person, or by an assault or putting a person in fear of serious bodily harm, or by threat of presenting uh, firearms or other deadly weapon or instrumentality, that person's guilty of a felony and they are punishment, they're punished by uh, a, 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 sta- a confinement of five years to life in the penitentiary. So Virginia has some pretty stringent laws regarding robbery. Um, and, and notice here the maximum punishment for any robbery right now today is life in the penitentiary. That's greater than the maximum punishment for murder, uh, right? So when, for example, some murders, right, the maximum punishment is 40 years in the penitentiary. Robbery is actually punished more seriously. So you could get life in the penitentiary for robbery uh, and actually get a lesser sentence for murder. And robbery can be everything from taking out a gun and shooting somebody or threatening somebody with a gun to, uh, you know, getting in a fight with somebody that scores, you know, getting into a struggle at a, at a store and, you know, ripping someone's purse away from her and, uh, and running away with a purse, right? I've used force or violence to deprive them of their property. That's still a robbery, right? And that still subjects you to a punishment of five years to life. So what the General Assembly does, and this is uh, House Bill 1936, it's a bill from Vivian Watts that passed the General Assembly this session and takes effect on July 1. What it does is it changes the definition of robbery. So now, instead of having one crime of robbery, now we have four different crimes of robbery. And one of them is a class two felony, so right? So it's a, a pretty significant punishment. Uh, But the others are a class three felony, a class five felony, and a class six felony. So now if you're charging someone with robbery, if you're getting a warrant for something for robbery, or you're investigating a robbery, it's very important that you figure out what kind of violence is used, uh, what kind of threat is used, and be able to document that and be able to prove that in court uh, in order to prove the kind of robbery that you have in your case. And it gets a little complicated. So let's talk about what the different levels of robbery are. So the most serious form of robbery that still subjects you to potential life in the penitentiary, a class two felony, so it's 20 years uh, to life, is committing a robbery and causing somebody serious bodily injury or death. Now, serious bodily injury is a very high standard. This isn't malicious wounding. This is something where somebody is permanently impaired. Uh, It's very difficult to prove serious bodily injury in court. There are lots of cases, and you can look around Virginia, you know, somebody gets shot and there's a bullet lodged inside of them, but there's no indication that the bullet, you know, the the bullet causes them pain or discomfort, but it's not like it prevents them from being able to do anything. They can still walk around. They still feel the bullet. It still moves around inside of them. Uh, There's judges out there who will find that's not serious bodily injury. 
even though the person was shot and has this bullet in them for the rest of their life, right? Um, so, and maybe it does, you know, and doctors have told them it may, be, it may cause you permanent injury or you may, it may be cause degenerative problems down the road, but it doesn't right now. Again, that's not serious bodily injury. So very, very few robberies are going to subject you to 20 years to life in the penitentiary. Okay, so what's the next level of robbery as we take our step down? The next level of robbery is a robbery that involves a gun. Any person who commits robbery by using or displaying a firearm in a threatening manner, they are guilty of a class three felony. And a class three felony, that's punishable by five years to 20 years. So already, uh, even if I'm using a gun in a robbery, so right now, as of today, in April of 2021, if I use a firearm to commit a robbery, I'm looking at 20 years to life. But after July 1, if I use a firearm to commit a robbery, I'm only looking at five years to five to 20 years. So the punishment is significantly reduced here. And firearm has a specific meaning here. A firearm is a handgun, shotgun, or rifle that will or is designed to or may be readily converted to expel a single or multiple projectiles by action of an explosion of a combustible material. So notice here, if you have somebody with a simulated firearm, uh, then you may have a problem, right? You're gonna, you may not be able to prove this. And so your victims are going to need to be able to be very specific about this thing that they're looking at. And when a lot of times they can't, I mean, I would say probably 80 to 90% of victims say they saw a gun, but they're not able to describe the gun or really give you any specifics about the gun. And if you can't prove that it's a gun, then you don't get this, uh, code that you don't get this code section. Now it helps, of course, if somebody sticks a gun at somebody and says, you know, I'm going to shoot you or implies they're going to shoot you. That's a pretty good, that's pretty good evidence that what the person has in their hand is a gun, but you have to prove it uh, to get to this point. Uh, the punishment is five years to 20 years. The next level of robbery as we step down is a person who commits robbery by using physical force that doesn't result in serious bodily injury or by using or displaying a deadly weapon other than a firearm in a threatening manner. So let's talk about these two different versions, right? Uh, and both of these, by the way, are a class five felony, which means that the maximum punishment is only 10 years in the penitentiary. So we'll pause here for a second and note, go back to our purse example, right? So somebody who uh, grabs a purse from somebody and struggles and pull, is struggling to pull away her purse, let's say she's getting into her car in a parking lot, guy runs over, grabs her purse, they get into a struggle, he pulls it away. Right, a lot of those you can charge. Some of those you can charge as robbery if he really uses force. Right, like he shoves her away, or he hits her hand, or kicks her, or something like that, to get that purse away from her. Right now, as of today, you could charge that as robbery, and that's five years to life. After July one, that's only a class five felony. Well, it's also grand larceny from person. Right, if it's five, if it's worth five dollars or more, if the property that's stolen is worth five dollars or more, uh, then that's also grand larceny from person, and so. Uh, and that, and of course, grand larceny from person is punishable by up to 20 years in the penitentiary. So, you know, immediately you should sort of be asking yourself, you know, hey, if, if the normal robbery that I kind of see in my area is, is, you know, a violent attack, right? Using a billy club or a stick or a, or a rock, or, you know, somebody gets hit with a rock or somebody gets beaten up or they're punched or somebody runs up and punches them in the face and grabs their property and takes it away. Right? If that kind of robbery takes place and the person's stealing more than $5 worth of property, you're going to get a higher maximum punishment from the grand larceny charge than you are from the robbery charge. And the different charges, you can charge both robbery and grand larceny from person. Uh, but notice here that grand larceny from person, excuse me, the, mostly the robbery, 
would be would be punished much less because uh, it's just a class five felony and a class five felony the the maximum punish the punishment is um, you know zero to zero to ten years. So this covers again somebody runs over and punches a person or hits them with a club or hits them with a stick or hits them with a rock um, or uh, stabs the person right again a stabbing that doesn't result in a serious bodily injury. Uh, if I stab somebody and steal their property, that's a robbery under this code section, 18.258, the same old code section. But the maximum punishment for stabbing somebody to steal from them is only 10 years in the penitentiary. Again, you could also charge malicious wounding. Uh, so you would get the malicious wounding charge here, and the malicious wounding charge would be the more serious offense. But the stabbing and the, and the stealing is just a regular old robbery of 10 years. The other way you can fall under this robbery code section is by using or displaying a deadly weapon in a threatening manner. So here, notice the guy walks up with this knife that I'm talking about, and instead of stabbing the victim, simply holds the knife in a threatening manner and says, give me your wallet, give me your money. There, there is no malicious wounding, so there, for that, you're, you only have the maximum punishment of 10 years in the penitentiary. So that's a really big change, right? Uh, right now, under the law, taking a knife and saying to some, hey, you know, give me your wallet or I'm going to stab you, is punished by five years to life. After July 1, it's just going to be punished by zero to 10 years in the penitentiary. And then we have the last form of robbery, which is robbery using a threat or intimidation not involving a deadly weapon. Uh, or, excuse me, using a threat or intimidation or any means that's not involving a deadly weapon, and that's a class six felony. And so uh, class six felony, again, is a punishment of maximum punishment of uh, five years in the penitentiary, uh, but the minimum punishment could be zero. So what is that, right? So again, if you can imagine, you know, uh, three or four guys come up on somebody and they say, hey man, give me your wallet, and they, and they got their fists bared, they're clearly threatening to beat this person up. They say, give me your wallet or I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you up, give me your wallet or I'm gonna give me your wallet, I'm gonna kill you, right, using a threat, right? If you don't give me your wallet, we're gonna kill you. Uh, then that would be a class six felony, five maximum punishment of five years in the penitentiary. Um, what if I come up and I choke somebody out to rob them, right? So I run up behind the person, put my arm around their neck, and I uh, choke them into unconsciousness. Uh, again, that's not using a deadly weapon. That's just using my hands. So there, that would just be uh, a class six felony, a maximum punishment of five years in the penitentiary. Uh, I would also be guilty of strangulation, right? A strangulation or suffocation. Uh, so that's a separate offense, and you could prosecute the person for strangulation and for robbery. Uh, but notice it's still just uh, a punishment of a maximum punishment of five years in the penitentiary. And that would be true, right? Even if I strangled that person and that person uh, was put in the hospital, uh, that person was put into a coma due to my, uh, due to my violence against them, right? Uh, you could prosecute the person for malicious wounding, perhaps, or strangulation, obviously, for uh, choking out this person. But the robbery aspect of it is punished only by a maximum of five years in the penitentiary. So again, really big change. And this means that robbery investigations need to be much more specific. You need to get a lot more specific information about the violence that was used, about if it was a weapon, what kind of weapon it was used, in what way it was used. Um, you know, can a club or a stick or a screwdriver be a deadly weapon? Yeah, it can be a deadly weapon under the law, depending on how it's used. Um, so again, if somebody is using a club or a stick to cause to, to somebody serious bodily harm, you know, that kind of thing, then yeah, that can be a deadly weapon under the facts, but you have to prove that it's a deadly weapon or otherwise you just end up with, um, you know, pretty minimal punishment. 
Okay, so again, big change to robbery law in the Commonwealth of Virginia. A couple other code sections that I want to talk about today, though, that also passed as well. Um, the uh, the General Assembly, you might have heard me go through the changes to traffic laws a few podcasts ago. We talked about when you are permitted and when you're not permitted anymore to stop somebody who's committing a traffic violation, right? Uh, can I stop somebody who's driving without headlights? Well, yes, if it's at night and they have no headlights. If they've only got one headlight on, then no, I can't pull that person over. Uh, even though it's dangerous and even though it's a violation of the law, I can't stop that person for uh, only having one headlight. Now, we have this code section that talks about uh, the, the fact that somebody who's a juvenile driver who's got a restricted driving permit whether or not that person can operate a vehicle while holding a cell phone, while using a cell phone, having a cell phone on at all, right? And this is 462.334.01 and uh, also uh, 462.335. Now, when the General Assembly enacted their restrictions on law enforcement and said, here's the list of offenses that even though they're offenses, you can't stop somebody for them, they included 462.334.01 and 462.335 and said, no law enforcement officer shall stop a motor vehicle for a juvenile viol- a juvenile driver who is using a cell phone, whether they're holding it or not, right? They can't, uh, or whether the permit person has a learner's permit and they've got a cell phone uh, that they've maybe attached to a, a cell phone holder or they've got in their console. They're not holding it, but they are using it. And the General Assembly said in their uh, changes, and these changes took effect on March 1. These were changes from the special session that took place in the fall, that law enforcement can't stop somebody for that. Well, now the General Assembly has taken one, taken it one step further and simply eliminated that rule. So they eliminated the rule in 462.334.01 uh, that, and, and that states that a person who's a juvenile, a person who's under, tw- under 18 years of age or older, excuse me, who's under the age of 18, who's got a learner's permit or who has a provisional driver's license um, or who has an actual driver's license but who's under 18, the law right now says that person cannot operate a cell phone or any kind of wireless communications device at all, period, right? Even if it's attached to a cell phone holder, even if it's in the console, whatever, the driver, if they're under 18, cannot use a cell phone. uh, And the General Assembly simply eliminated that rule. So notice now they that what juveniles now are basically subject to the same rules as adults. You can't hold the phone in your hand. You can't hold the device in your hand and use it as a communications device. But you can, you could, whether you're a juvenile or an adult, attach it to a cell phone holder or put it in the console and use it if it's attached to the car. So if they have, you know, Android Play or Apple CarPlay or if they have it attached uh, wirelessly or by a wire to their console and they're controlling it using their console, that's legal operation. Uh, They're not violating the law in any way about that. So that's... uh, I mean, again, you couldn't stop somebody anyway as of March 1st for that, so now it's not even an offense anymore. If the person is, of course, holding their cell phone while driving, which is, I think, describes about a quarter of all drivers right now in Virginia, uh, you could still stop someone for that, and you could still cite someone for that. That is a violation of that statute that was enacted last year. One of the other uh, things the General Assembly did uh, in in, uh, amending traffic laws was change the rules that govern uh, bicycles, uh, including electric power-assisted bicycles, mopeds, um, animals, 
uh, or uh, personal assistive motor, uh, mobility devices. And they made two changes to that. The first change that they made was, so under current law, people who ride bicycles, uh, electric personal assisted mobility, mobility devices, electric power assisted bicycles, or motorized skateboards or scooters uh, are not allowed to ride more than two abreast. They can ride two abreast, but they can't ride more than two abreast, right? But the additional rule states that persons riding two abreast shall not impede the normal and reasonable movement of traffic and they shall move into a single file formation as quickly as practicable when being overtaken from the rear by a faster moving vehicle. And on a lane roadway, they shall ride in a single lane. The General Assembly eliminated that requirement. So now uh, people riding bicycles who are riding personal uh, assistive mobility devices, who are riding power, electric power assisted bicycles, people who are riding motorized skateboards, people who are riding scooters on a highway, if they are riding two abreast, uh, they're basically permitted now to impede the normal and reasonable movement of traffic. They shall move into a sing they shall not move into a single file formation as quickly as is practicable when being overtaken from the rear by a faster moving vehicle, and they are not required on a single on a lane roadway to ride in a single lane. So the General Assembly simply eliminated that uh, requirement from the code, and again, that's effective July one. The other change that they made was that if a motor vehicle is overtaking one of those uh, vehicles, like a, a bicycle, electric, personal assistive mobility device, electric power assistive bicycle, moped, animal, animal, or animal-drawn vehicle, so this is an additional list here, um, if you're overtaking an animal or bicycle or whatever, they've added a requirement that if the lane of travel is not wide enough to allow the overtaking motor vehicle to pass in the manner required, by law, uh, while in the same lane, then the overtaking vehicle shall change lanes, right? So existing law says that you shall pass at a reasonable speed at at least three feet to the left of the bicycle, of the animal, of the whatever you're passing, right? And you shall not again proceed to the right side of the highway until you're clear of the bicycle, of the animal, of whatever you're passing. Uh, but this is a new requirement that if, it, if the lane of travel isn't wide enough to let you pass that way, then you are required to change lanes. And of course, this would only really apply if you had a multi-lane uh, highway of any kind. The General Assembly also created a new kind of protective order in uh, in 2021 that, again, will go into effect uh, in, uh, in on July 1. And this was a bill from in the House uh, from Delegate Mullen and in the Senate from Senator Obenshane. Uh, so it is literally a bipartisan kind of bill. Uh, Delegate Mullen is a Democrat and Senator Obenshane is a Republican. Uh, this was a this is a bill providing for a protective order for a person who is an adult uh, that either they uh, have been within a reasonable period of time subjected to an act of violence, force, or threat or have been subjected to financial exploitation. And if the person has been uh, subjected to an act of violence, force, or threat, or subjected to financial exploitation, then that adult can petition for a protective order from the court. The protective order can prohibit acts of violence, force, or threat. The protective order can prohibit other contacts by the perpetrator. Uh, they can set whatever conditions basically are necessary to prevent the act of violence, force, or threat, or prevent the injury to pro persons or property. 
um, including to prevent uh, financial exploitation or communications. And this is a pretty, I think, interesting and, and maybe significant tool for you. First of all, it's very clear here uh, that this is a tool that you can use in cases where you have uh, an adult. And this is a, this code section is restricted to adults who are 60 years of age or over or who are over the age of 18 and are incapacitated um, in some way or another, right? Maybe they're incapacitated due to an illness, they're incapacitated due to a developmental issue, whatever. So when I say adults, we're talking about adults who are vulnerable, vulnerable adults, right? But it's, I think it's really important because not only are we dealing with threats of violence and, and, and adults who may have some kind of impairment that prevents them from protecting themselves uh, or they are age of the 60s, so they're just older, but you know, think about uh, adults who are subject to financial exploitation by someone who knows how to exploit them. And maybe it's a roofer or a uh, or somebody who does landscaping work, or it's a relative who has some kind of in or some kind of connection to this adult and knows how to exploit this adult for money. And this adult, because of their, you know, maybe because of their advanced age or because of some kind of uh, developmental issue, is vulnerable to this person's exploitation. Uh, right now in the law, there's not a lot you can do other than just getting a warrant, locking the person up, locking up the perpetrator, and uh, and then making it a bond condition. But if you haven't, if you don't have enough evidence to lock the person up, or you know, obviously there's challenges in prosecuting those cases. Here, at least the, you can go to get a protective order for that adult that that makes it that, that prohibits the perpetrator of this exploitation from having contact with that adult. So I think it's an important tool and it will be very useful, I think, to protect uh, elderly victims in cases and, and victims who are in some way impaired or suffering from some kind of impairment. A um, couple more uh, code sections I do want to cover. One is the ban on facial recognition technology. So facial recognition technology under the code is an electronic system for enrolling, capturing, extracting, comparing, and matching an individual's geometric facial data to identify people in photos, videos, or in real time. We're not talking about the use of, for example, there's some automated systems that people have, I think, uh, to, if they're doing like a FOIA request and they're releasing police camera video, to block out someone's face, right? That does technically use a kind of facial recognition technology, but the code here specifically says if you're releasing a video under FOIA or releasing it to the public for some reason and you're using a software to redact people's faces, uh, that that's permissible, that's still permitted. It is, uh, however, somehow some other uses of facial technology, maybe some we haven't even thought of yet, this bill simply prohibits the use of facial recognition technology in Virginia by law enforcement. No law enforcement agency shall purchase or deploy facial recognition technology uh, unless or until the General Assembly steps in and, and permits it by statute. And there's no schedule for when they're going to do that or if they're ever going to do that. There is an exception here to commercial air service reports. So airports are airports are allowed, airport law enforcement agencies are allowed to use facial recognition technology. And that's to recognize the fact that it's being used right now, right? So we don't want to shut that down. Uh, but, you know, and again, notice here the language. It says no law enforcement agency shall purchase or deploy facial recognition technology. 
So does that mean that you couldn't receive information from facial recognition? No, I don't think it doesn't mean. I don't think it means that. If the FBI, if some federal agency is using facial recognition and they bring you information from their technology, this permits that, right? You're just not allowed to purchase it or deploy it. But again, if you wanted to go hire Clearview to use their product, you couldn't deploy it, you couldn't purchase it. If somebody brought you information from Clearview, you could use it. That would be permissible. But you can't purchase it or uh, deploy it. And that's true of, uh, of your law enforcement agency or even if you're a campus police department. Um, and lastly, there was a new code section enacted, an amendment to 18.2-60, that does make another kind of felony threat, a threat in writing um, to, used to intimidate civilian population or to influence control of government or to compel an emergency evacuation or avoidance of a place of assembly. So it's just another kind of threat uh, under 18.2-60. Um, so that's just a useful one to know about. It's not a huge change, but a um, useful one to know about as well. So a lot of changes to the, to the law in Virginia that are taking effect on July 1. I hope that was useful for you today as a sort of a just a quick overview. Again, we didn't go super in-depth into the code sections. Uh, but for today, uh, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. We've got uh, the podcast up on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and, podcast, uh, and Apple Podcasts. So if you like the podcast, please tell your friends. If you don't like the podcast, then don't tell your friends. Uh, if you want me to be on another podcast network besides those, let me know. If you've got other topics that you'd like me to cover, let me know. Uh, pass on, hey, good job with this, good job with this. I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, I know use of force statutes are a big issue in people's minds right now, so we'll, we'll probably talk about that again soon. From today, though, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Everyone, stay safe out there and don't get captured. <laughs>